What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Chris Flores with Superhuman Fathers. We dig into the biggest mistake of his life, landing him in jail, fighting for his marriage, and how to implement core values in your home. Enjoy meeting my friend, Chris. Oh my gosh, Chris, I'm already smiling ear to ear. Super pumped to talk fatherhood with you, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on. Heck yeah, bro. I've been looking forward to it. So right out the gate, I like to ask a couple questions. How old do you find yourself today? How old do I find myself? (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'd like to say a little bit older now, hanging around a lot of savages like yourself. So the wisdom you guys imparted on me, I feel like I'm definitely a little bit beyond my years with that. But that's just auditing my circle and being around humans like yourself. Yeah. So actually, how old are you today? (laughs) I'm 35. 35. All right. Love it. Love it. How many years you've been married? Uh, Nine years. Nine years. And how many kiddos do you have? I got two boys, seven and four, and then my wife is 16 weeks pregnant. Oh my gosh. Yes, bro. Freaking congratulations. That's so good, dude. Oh yeah. So good. All right. Then where does your family reside? Where do you guys live? So we are in Temecula, California, just north of San Diego. Okay. And then we won't get too deep into this, but I love and hate this question. Now, the question is, what do you do for a living? And you can just give me a real brief answer to this. But here's why I hate the question. I hate the question because most men size each other up based on our profession. The reason why I asked the question is I like for other dads listening that it doesn't matter if you make 60 grand a year or a million dollars a year or what your title is. When you have a wife that's pregnant or you have a son going through puberty or you have your daughter turning 16, we all wrestle with the same thing. So with that being said, what is it that you do for a living? So firefighter paramedic, been in the fire service about 15 years. And then on the side, working with Superhuman Fathers, a men's coaching group, men's accountability group through fitness, nutrition, mindset training, fatherhood, marriage, and then also kind of run the first responders as well. So all the issues that we face as first responders, kind of break that down weekly on Zoom calls so that we can all relate to each other's uh, internal traumas and find a solution for that to show up as a better father. Love it, dude. Yeah, man. And I'm so grateful for Superhuman Fathers. You and I have messaged each other a lot. I mean, you put together the workouts. I've asked you a ton of questions about fitness. I mean, even the other day, I'm like changing up some things. And so I'm messaging you asking. And so always super kind and generous to do that. But I know you were on my transformation call. Like I've always been in decent shape. But, you know, before I turned 40, I wanted to look how I felt on the inside. So my 39th year, I really went after it. And thanks to you, Kyle, Ryan, and just the community, I was able to reach my goal. Yeah, that was a great one. That was aggressive, man. You went after it. Great transformation. It was fun, bro. It was a lot of fun. Okay, question for you. I've been starting to ask this question. If you had to have one word tattooed on your forehead that really spoke to like who you are and what mattered to you in life, what would that word be? 
I put disciplined. Disciplined. And what does disciplined mean and why is it important to you? Just hold my word to say what I'm going to do. I'm dis- I like to look at myself as disciplined in different areas of my life. So I'm disciplined and committed to my marriage. I'm disciplined and committed to my health and fitness. I'm disciplined and committed to my children and developing them and to contributing members of society. I'm disciplined into pouring into all of the superhuman fathers community, fire service, relationships, whatever it may be. Just I take pride in knowing if I say I want to do something, I'm going to do it. I love that, dude. I love it. And I think definitely over the last year, I learned a different level of discipline through being a part of superhuman fathers. And really that idea, you know, I hear you guys talk about a lot is being true to yourself. Like if you say something to yourself, can you hold, you know, because it's easy to cancel on ourselves. So what are your thoughts on that as far as like, if you make a commitment to you, how important is that? And what's the weight you put on that? That was a great one because I've lied to myself for years. That's one thing I've learned, like love ain't lies. So if you can learn to hold your word, there's a lot more writing on that for all you dads out there. Because when you tell your wife, and I'm guilty of it in the past, a lot of you dads are too. You tell your wife, hey, I want to start this diet on Monday. I'm going to start this 10-pound vacation weight loss program. Whatever it may be, I'm going to get dialed in on uh, my finances. And you don't do that. Your level of respect from your wife, your respect notch in that belt goes down, down, down because you don't hold that word to yourself. And that's just a battle between you and the accountability mirror. But who that actually ultimately affects is your wife, your kids, community, you. And it's like, man, this guy can't keep his word. Why would I trust him? Why would I lean into him? So as soon as I realize that and just have to do that on every aspect of my life, my life hockey sticked trajectory upward. Hold that word to yourself. Dude, so powerful, man. And as you say that, you know, like my mind's going and I'm thinking about a story I'm going to share with you. But it's not only that, say our kids, right? Like you have two boys, four and seven, you said. I've got five kiddos, 10 to 17. And it's one thing for me to say, hey, dad's going to get fit or get my finances in order. So that's a great one. Right now, last year was my fitness. This year, I like doing a lot around finances and my kids are a part of that. But the thing is, is if I say, hey, we're getting our finances in order, but it's three years from now, then when my kids are my age, they're going to have that same level of commitment if they make a promise to themselves, right? Like I'm setting the standard. So if I tell my kids, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I stick to it, I'm creating the standard that they are going to set for themselves one day. And so here's a story for you. A friend of mine, I was sending them pictures. We were just all messing around. This is a few months ago. And he's like, oh, dude, you look savage. I'm working on getting in shape. And I'm like, oh, dude, seriously, this is amazing. Come join Superhuman Fathers. And then he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, back up. Like, I'm just trying to lose a little bit. And I told him, I was like, well, just don't tell your kids that your goal is to get in shape. (laughs) And I felt super harsh about it. But I'm like, if you're going to tell your kids you're going to get in shape, like set a standard that you would want them to be in shape when they're your age. What do you want for your son? You got to set that standard for him. What are your thoughts on that? I think you're spot on. Set the standard. If you walk in and you set the tone, though, every single day, your kids are going to feel that. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to set the tone of energy as soon as I come home sleep deprived from the firehouse. I need to set the tone. My tone is I got to sit my ass on the couch and have a beer to relax. You know, what are they going to do when time gets tough? Sit on the couch and watch cartoons. It's like, I got to go in there and set the tone of a disciplined mindset, a hard mental capacity when adversity hits physically for us and superhuman followers yourself as well. Like the training and nutrition is like brushing our teeth at this point. And I know not everyone's there, but that's our job is to get you there by the importance of what's on the line. Take a step up and look down 10,000 foot view. There's a lot on the line. Your wife, your kids, the trajectory of your generational family tree, all that stuff rides on you as a father. So if you're not setting the tone, 
You're doing a disservice to everybody else around you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. So powerful. We could end this podcast now and it's money. As you think about being a father the last seven years, what's something you've learned about yourself through your role as a dad? Yeah. So this switch, I mean, I wasn't a stellar dad to start out. I know what I was doing. I was early twenties, just got off probation at the firehouse. Thought I knew everything. Cocky, lived by the beach, beautiful wife. And then we had our first son, like four months after getting married. My circle, right? Say audit your circle. My circle was young firemen that drank seven days a week. Days off, we go drink, go to the beach, drink, go to the beach, repeat, 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 eat like crap. So, I mean, I had to learn the hard way. And the way I learned was when my son was born. I was on my honeymoon. My wife was taking pictures or someone was taking pictures of us. I looked at myself like, holy crap, you're going to be a dad? Look at that thing. Just gelatinous, undisciplined, just fat, gross. I'm like, you're a professional firefighter too? Holy crap, man. This is a disservice <laughs> to everyone around you. Wow. Like you yeah. got to clean this up. So that's when I just, that aggressive attack on being the best person that I could be physically started. Cause I grew up my whole life, chubby, husky, fat kid, scared to take my shirt off at the pool, all that stuff for years. So that kid's still in there, man. And I fight every day. So he doesn't make an appearance again. So that's where I come from. I come from a past of deep, dark pain to where I don't want to see that human. I don't want to be that version. That's going to be a father, a husband, so I know what's on the line and I remind myself that every day. Some people are like, man, it's aggressive. It's a lot. It's like, no. So what do you think caused that trigger? So there's this moment where you're at a crossroads. And as we look at society, many men at that crossroads just end up not making their wife and kids a priority. They're probably a good dad in some aspects, like show up to stuff, pay the bills, provide a nice house, but they don't get out of that rut. I think every man has the ability. What caused you to go right versus left in that situation and start to pursue who you wanted Chris to be? I just had to make a decision to quit hiding. I made good money early on, like being early 20s, making a lot of money. And I was able to go on trips or buy what I wanted. And I realized, hey, man, this is just materialistic stuff. Like deep, deep down, I'm not happy, man, because I can't go sit by the pool with my wife and take my shirt off and be proud. So I had to make a decision. And that decision come with back to that word discipline. There's a lot of great dads out there that can just give their kids the world, but they can't give them the stuff that's going to make it stick. Habits, consistency, discipline, non-negotiables, stuff like that. It's a disservice, man, if you're just giving your kids materialistic stuff. I don't want to do that for myself or my wife. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. What do you think the role of the father is? You gave us a little bit just now, but like if you were to dive a little bit deeper into that, what would you say that is? Yeah, you got to have the ability to lead. You have to lead your family. And in order to lead your family, you got to lead yourself. And I think we explained, you know, how to lead yourself with those habits, discipline, consistency. But then also you got to really dive in. We teach our guys all the time, like, what are your family core values? And then you can, like, live and operate off mistakes. You can teach your kids to those core values, whether it's doing what's right, faith-based, discipline, integrity, stuff like that. So I'd encourage all you dads out there listening to come up with some family core values. And then you instill those into your family. And that's how you guys operate and live. Don't let your workplace or whatever dictate your values. Come up with that between you and your wife. Also, the role of a father is to provide, protect. For me, probably dive into it in a bit. But when I made a massive mistake, my kids are going to find out one day because I'm going to tell them. This is how dad got through adversity. So you got to be able to show your kids how to get through adversity. You're not going to fold and quit or you're going to step up and be that father. So when they come to you with the problem, when they're 18, 19, however old, and they made a massive mistake, you've been there. You could teach them. Well, let's talk about it right now. Let's jump into that story. What's this massive mistake? When did it happen? And how did it lead you to the man trajectory you're on today? Yeah, so about 18 months ago, almost two years ago, I made the biggest mistake of my life. 
you go back to before superhuman fathers, I was the opposite of superhuman father, right? I talk about emotional control. I was constantly putting my wife in the service role when I came home from the firehouse. They'd get off for three days and open the door. Otherwise, the house dirty, there's dishes there. I need to sit down because I'm sleep deprived. I need a beer. I, 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 right? You owe me. I make the money. It's my house. Like all this stuff, right? I put her in the service mode and that compounds over years. Your wife don't respect you. She's going to resent you. There's no trust, integrity, respect there. So we start having some issues a little bit. And then I made my massive mistake. We went on date night. We got in an argument after in our bedroom. I hit a pot. This pot hit my wife in the face. She called the cops and I got arrested for a felony domestic violence. And that changed my life. Wow. Wow. So it's heavy. And I know when I tell people or any guy out there, yeah, I got arrested for uh, domestic violence. Your first thought is what? I'm going to jump to this computer screen, whatever. And I'm going to choke this guy out, right? But I ask you guys to, to judge me based on my actions afterward and the trajectory of where we're at now with my wife and kids. So fast forward a little bit after this, get out of jail, got a restraining order. It's just chaos. I'm going downhill. I'm creating this narrative. I'm going to lose my wife, my kids. I'm going to lose my job at the firehouse. I'm going to lose my paramedic license. So I just start spinning. I got to take a year of DV classes. But all the whole time, I had to look myself in the mirror. And I had to make a decision. You're going to go be a single fireman and have a secure job and everything will be okay. You just won't see your wife and kids, but you'll have a stable paycheck. Or are you going to fight the system? Go get your wife, go get your kids, show your kids how to overcome adversity, man up, own every ounce of everything in your life and go get your wife and create this ultimate family that you want to create. And that's the decision I made. And a massive, massive foundation of that was through Christ, was through owning everything, building relationships at the church. and then. Fast forward a little bit more, I find Kyle at Superhuman Fathers because I'm like, man, I need some income. I think I'm going to lose my job. And I hired this coach, Wes Watson, and he's like, go check out my boy Kyle. He runs his fatherhood fitness nutrition program he just started. So I said, okay. So I started bugging Kyle. I said, dude, I'll work for free. I don't care. I just want to pour in. I want to make sure no father made the mistake I made. Here's where I'm coming from, a place of extreme pain, vulnerability. And then we had about 80 fathers at that moment. And right now we have just over 600 and it's really grown over the last couple of years. And the ability to just kind of tap into these dads, run Zoom calls, run the first responder side with military cops and firemen that don't make the same mistake I made has been very humbling and gratifying. I've come a long way since then. My marriage is night and day, man. Like I said, this is a big reason why we're having our third child. So this child will never see that version of me ever. They're only going to see the new version of my kids. I did them a disservice by my behaviors, by my actions. So my goal in life is just to pour into my wife and kids, pour into these fathers, pour into the church. I owe the church community, superhuman fathers, my wife and my kids, everything. It's not about wow. me. Wow, Bro, dude, thank you for your vulnerability, honesty, and like <sighs> your choice to dig in and fight for what you knew mattered. Because that story, the reality of what you did is just such an inspiration to so many of us, right? I mean, even to think about the moments where we're fighting with our wife and it's like, we just go a little too far, right? And it's like an accident happened and was it preventable? Yes, but you talk about the situation and it's like, man, how horrific for something just to like get out of control. And I think many of us could go, man, there's a couple of times where I could see things going out of control and maybe the pot didn't hit her, but if it did, I could be in the situation and to go, I need to make sure that I'm using the power that I have as a man to be meek. I've been digging into this word more, you know, meekness. What does it mean to be meek? And I love it. And somebody gave me the example that to be meek doesn't mean that we're weak. But the best example is Jesus on the cross. All the power 
all the power possible, but he chooses to stay. And so same in that situation where I'm next level heated and my wife may be in my face, that I can stand there and die to myself and go like, there's something bigger here that matters. Like, that's where I want to be. I wouldn't say I'm there today, but that's where I want to be. So I would love to hear from you. How did you win your wife back over from the situation? Full responsibility for my actions of what happened because I wasn't perfect after. Why did you call the cops? Why did you? I was still following that cycle. It was last about two months. I'm just like, that's when that awakening happened. Like, bro, get it together. This is all your fault. As soon as you come to realize that, take full responsibility. Every ounce of everything in your life that goes wrong from here forward is your fault. Your wife makes a mistake. It's your fault. Your kids make a mistake. It's your fault. So I got to own everything. It took me a little bit, man. I mean, you talk about a stubborn fireman that is used to having things maybe go his way or not go his way. When you come into their marriage, it's a whole different perspective switch. I just had to own everything. And that's where it stemmed from. Yeah. Okay. This is really powerful. So I want to give people an example here because you hear, let me ask you this before I make the statement. To what level does it take two people to want to work on it? Because your wife was willing to work on it. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. We had a lot of outside noise. We lost a lot of relationships with friends because they heard the word DV, right? And they scattered, but we also gained a ton more valuable, real relationships. A big part of that, again, was the church, going to church together. We didn't go to church before then. I'm 35. I didn't go to church until a year and a half ago. And I went with my wife, started praying with the pastor, praying with her, praying for this. And, you know, here I am. Today. Talking about this switch, how in the midst of this does Jesus come and connect with you? What does that look like? I remember kneeling by my bed asking, and, and I don't pray. Where were you? I was in my bedroom, and I remember sitting there. I just got off the phone with, like, the state of California paramedic licensory, and there's like, you're under investigation, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And at the same time, I think work called me and said, hey, we're running an investigation. I think the courthouse, all within, like, 20 minutes. It was like, boom, 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 three of the heaviest phone calls. So everything's spiraling. And I was like, what do I? I have no idea what to do. For some reason, I just started praying. I'm like, Jesus, if you're real, and I just went down this massive prayer. I just remember, oh my God, like this is transformative right now. So I really believe I was put in that situation for a reason. Now I switch it and have the ability to impact massive amounts of fathers off my mistake versus like you said, maybe that pot never hit her. And maybe the cycle of abuse of arguing and putting my wife in the service mode continued for 10 years without any physical abuse. Talk about that. That's a whole different lens. Yeah. So what led you to go like, I'm at such an end of my rope. Let's just see if Jesus is real. Is like, is there anything you'd point to any person that was influential? Or is it just kind of like growing up in America, we just all know that this is something that's available? Yeah, honestly, no, I, I just I was just super lost and confused. I didn't know what to do, where to turn. All my friends were isolating me. I didn't, I was alone at the time, you know, and I don't operate off being a victim or anything, but I literally had no one to talk to because I was embarrassed of the story. So the guys that I did want to tell, I was too embarrassed. And the more I tell this story, the less it owns me and the more it can impact. Dude, that's such a powerful statement. Guys, if you're holding on to something, which many of us are, especially if we're rolling lone wolf and not in a, any kind of group or accountability, you're probably holding on to some stuff that's holding you back from your full potential. The more you bring it to the light, dude, the less power it has on you. And like, listen to Chris, you're not sitting here judging Chris. You're probably, I mean, many of us, it's like envious of the freedom 
that he's experiencing with his words. And he's not sharing the story for any reason other than to be authentically himself. So really beautiful. Okay, so going back, dude, your wife was willing to work on the marriage. And I think that's really important is that she was willing to work on it. So it gave you guys a good spot to go from because it takes two people to want to work it out. But you had a smile on your face. How come? I just realized a massive part of this was we committed first to go to church. Right? I started doing that. But then we committed to this program. It's like the 75 Hard Andy Frisella program. It's like a fitness deal. And part of it has some daily checks in the beginning. We did this together. And part of it was like some personal development stuff. So we get up at 4.30 in the morning together. Our kids are sleeping. We go downstairs. We'd get our reading in, our faith-based stuff in, whether that's journaling, meditation, or prayer. And then we write down kind of five daily tasks that we would do together that we'd get done, accomplish, and then we both go work out. We did that every single day for 75 days with a controlled diet, with two workouts a day. One has to be outside, one has to be inside. And we did this together. And that like exploded our marriage doing stuff together, seeing results together, aligned. It was really good because it allowed, you know, you talk about the trauma side of it, like your trauma could be transmitted into your kids or you can use it to transform them into people that can learn from my mistakes. And I just refuse to let that trauma be transmitted into my kids. Bro, okay. So talk about this for a second because I don't want people to gloss over what you just said. Your problems will either be transmitted to your children, okay? Whether you want to say generational curse. It's from my DNA. My dad was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. My kid's going to be an alcoholic. So you got partially probably this science-based, it's in your DNA, whatever, which true, okay? Or it's transformed. So you choose to be that milestone that transforms what's happening. And I would argue, and I think you would you'd say the same thing and you give your response to this, that say it's true. Let's just use alcohol because that's easy. If I choose at 40 years old to break that alcoholism, if my kid's 15, that will still be transformed into them. They're not going to have to go break that curse because I did, if you want to call it a curse. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you just said it, but I think this is huge because some guys I think will walk around with their BS and not live to their full potential because they're okay being a piece of shit. But are you okay with your daughter marrying a piece of shit? Are you okay with your son being a piece of shit? Probably not. But that doesn't mean you just set a standard for them that you're not willing to live by. You have to go live that, not just say it. Yeah, 100%. You have to make a decision, first of all. So all you dads out there listening, really think, reflect, and then act. So think about what your generational trauma is, whether that be divorce rates in your family whether that be obesity, alcoholism, drugs, porn, gambling, whatever it may be, just think for a little bit because you've all have had something and you're doing it still as a grown man. You're either going to face that battle yourself or you're going to power down and let your kids battle for you eventually when you're gone. So are you going to let your kids fight and battle or are you going to do it for them so they don't have to live that hard life? Because you know there's one thing out there. For me, for my family, everybody always drink. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, great humans. There's no like AA stuff, deep alcoholism, but everyone just drinks. It's just common, 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 drink, drink, drink. And for me, it's not aligning me where I want to go. So I'm going to be the one in my family. Like there's my decision. I'm reflecting on it. There's my decision. Now I need to act. What's the action? Stop drinking. I'm not going to spend holidays with my kids seeing me drunk. That's my goal. I don't want to transmit that to them. So that's where I'm at. So let me ask this and maybe we'll cut this out, but we'll see. What are you working on now? So I'll give you a second to think about it. So as you made that statement just now, and I wasn't going to ask this or say this, but as you say, like, what is it that 
you maybe got from your parent that you're now passing down. And there's probably multiple things. But like something that I've been kind of conflicted with recently is this, in the back of my mind, there's always this pull that I got to get one more thing done for work. So like sometimes I'll pop into my phone or pop into my computer. And I saw that with my dad, like my dad work is so important to him, so important to him. And in a lot of ways, it is important to me. And I spend a great amount of time with my kids. I'm very connected with my kids. But there's still, I mean, even before I came in here, my friend who's visiting with us made the joke, like, am I getting work Ned right now? Or am I getting fun Ned? There's kind of these two versions of me that people see. And so that's something that I'm working on is being fully authentic Ned, which is a romantic, which is playful, which is fun, which is strategic, which has compassion. But I don't always show up as that guy because I get so focused on like work is really important. So with that being said, obviously, maybe the alcohol thing is always going to be something you work on. But is there something else that's right in front of you right now that you're working on that you're willing to share? Yeah, that's great. And we're working on this right now with Kyle and his group. We got a small group, about 12 of us in this. We make kind of declarations and we build on it throughout the year. It's called the impossible game throughout the year. So for me, I mean, yes, the alcohol one for sure. And I gave up alcohol. It's only been about a month and a half, but I just decided, right, I'm the one, I'm just going to stop. It's just not aligning me to where I want to go right now. The biggest one, hands down, is the faith side, my connection to God. And why I say that is because that's just where my family is. It's still uncomfortable, right? If I go to my parents, they all can't make it there Sunday. I'm going to go to church. There's always be like, church? Like, we don't go to church. We've never gone to church. What are you talking about? Or my kids are going to a private Christian school right now, both my kids. No one's ever done that in my family. Why, why are they going there? It's like, well, I want them to align with their values, their mission. I want them to live that lifestyle, servant leader lifestyle. I got to lean into it. I know I'm still a little uncomfortable with it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to church or yeah, I'm going to pray or whatever it may be. Praying with my wife. Fellas, if you guys want to get really uncomfortable, like I have no problem praying on my own. Pray with your wife. <laughs> you know, if you're not used to it for me, it's like, ah, it's a little weird. What am I going to say? But just lean into it, man. You're the bond that you guys will create will make you guys only progress forward. Oh my gosh, bro. So good, dude. So good. I love this. Talk to me about your relationship with your boys. As you've come in and really been like, okay, I need to develop me. I need to develop this connection between me and God. I'm fighting really hard to make sure my wife is number one. I've got a job that is demanding on my body. I've got this business organization that I'm a part of that is like so exciting. And 600 men are choosing to like change their lives. And there's got to be text messages and messages and videos and stuff constantly like with dudes who really need help. So in the midst of all of that, that's so important. But then you have these two little humans and another one on the way that are half of you that are coming into this world and finding out who they are. Talk to me about what your role specifically, like how do you connect with them to make sure they're a priority? Yeah, so this took a long time to even start making some progress toward because I was living a whole different lifestyle. You know, I was still working out training, but mentally the emotional discipline, showing up, all that stuff. I worked a ton of overtime. I was always gone four days, come home one, gone three. So there was no real deep connection. And I had a straight up coming to Jesus moment, I remember when I just got out of jail and I had a week-long restraining order, I started thinking like, man, you just wasted your kids' lives. My oldest was, I think, six at the time. My youngest was three. I was like, six years, man. Six years your kids have seen you like this. What are you doing? Okay, now make a decision. Make a decision 
reflect and act. So now I don't waste a minute with my kids, man. I tell our guys all the time, like, you got to have the structure in your systems. When you're going to play with your kids, what you're going to do, you got to map it out. So I make it a priority to put my damn phone away. If my kid wants to get on the ground and play Legos or trains, like we're doing it. We're doing everything together that we can. I want it to show them how to treat their mom, how to treat members of the community, be involved in sports. Two days ago, I made my oldest was acting up and I made him write down the five things that's most important to him. And he started putting like Nintendo and stuff like, no, 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 bigger items. So we came up with God telling the truth, trust, respect, integrity. Wow. And he's like, yeah, you can see his little eyes pop up. He's like, oh, I get it. So I want to teach my kids how to be contributing members of society, how to bond, how to do hard shit together. You know, we do push-ups all the time together. They see me do it. They want to do it. I went on a ruck pack hike around here, and they jumped behind me on their bikes and scooters because they asked, hey, you going to work out early? I'm like, of course. They're like, can we come? I'm like, oh, yeah. So we're just doing things together, man, over and over and over. So you got to realize what you have, the impact that you fathers have in those little humans' brains are, are moldable. So mold them into an asset, not liability. Hmm. Powerful, dude. And how does that start to shift? Your seven-year-old is starting to have a different level of understanding than your four-year-old. So what's something you can do with your seven-year-old that maybe you're not able to quite do with your four-year-old yet? My four-year-old is pretty damn smart, but my seven-year-old, he hears, listens, sees everything. So how you directly talk and treat your guys' wives, how I treat my wife, they pick up on that stuff every day. Hug, kiss, whether it's yelling, arguing, making her dinner, making her doing acts of service, they catch up on all that stuff. And they see that. And then they're going to do that to mom. They're going to take care of mom. I say, dad's gone, dude. The firehouse. I need you to be the leader. I'm proud of you, dude. I love you. It's like, oh, I got you, dad. I want to do it. So you task them with, with opportunities to serve. Mm, that right there. Task them with opportunities to serve. That is what it means to be a man right there. Because you're passing down to your son. Like, this is who you are. This is what it means to be a Flores. Dad's not here. You step in. You step in. You're the leader here. And what it means to lead, because you talked about this earlier, you use the word lead. And I think this is such an interesting word. And I'm going to ask you a question about this in a moment, but I'm going to task them. I'm going to bestow upon you the stewarding this responsibility. And it's an opportunity to serve and to serve your mother. And as soon they're going to have a little sibling to serve, which is incredible. But I think men, all of us can do that. It doesn't matter where we live what our job is, how much time we have at home, right? Some of us might have to be at work 60 hours. It just might be the case, but we can give our kids opportunities to serve and show our sons, especially what it means to be a man. So I want to ask you about this. This is really interesting. You brought up lead a couple times. We like leadership. Leadership's great. Leadership's important. But a lot of times we focus on leading ourselves, personal development. It's about leading, but it's that I want people to follow me. I want to be important. And sometimes I think it's easy to do out in the workplace or maybe in the firehouse because in the home, it's different. In the home, you can't lead the same way you can out in the world. Because truly, like I could lead at my company and really be an egotistical asshole that everybody is like, just kind of does what I want. And I can feel like I'm a great leader because the money's there and my employees are staying because I pay them enough to not leave. But to lead in your home really requires you and I to die to ourselves. So you talk to me like, what does it mean to lead in your home? Number one, it's not about you. Number two, you big shift, which is a big shift from what the world says being a leader is out in the workplace. I mean, I'm kind of generalizing, but it's very apparent at home that it's not about you. Yeah. And 
I'll tell our guys like service over self. So what service can you provide daily? And how you do that is when you go into your home, like I go back to those core values, like are you leading with those core values every single day in your actions? Whether that be cleaning the damn house, whether that be giving your kids, remember that task to serve, like you come up with a power list, right? Of five items we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to do today, fellas. Or getting your wife's anticipated needs. Like I know what my wife needs on Sunday because Sunday, we text each other, what are your needs for the week? So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we know what we need. For my wife, two young boys, I know her sanity is she wants to go escape and get a workout in. Perfect. I'm going to watch the kids. It's planned. That way, there's no argument. You're going to go work out? You never told me this? Yeah, 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 right? It's like it's already planned. Anticipating needs. You guys got to just cut the shit, man. Just figure out what your wife wants, right? Whether it's meal prep, workout, time alone, whatever it may be. Because you got to serve, serve, serve your wife. She's going to bring you way further than you can by yourself. I look at my wife, she has just grenaded me forward in my progress. All this stuff within the belief she has instilled in me because I've poured into her that I will change for this family and her. And now she's just pushing me like, hey, I want you to go all in here, 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 here. It's been insane because I I have self-doubt all the time. And the real foundation of this is my wife and God. And I know Jesus is putting me in this position, but then you have my wife like on my ass saying, you got to go, you got to attack. I believe in you. Let's do this. It's astronomical the way that if you pour into your wife, the return on investment you'll get. Hmm. So good. So I'm going to ask you this. This is a little bit of a test. So we'll see how it goes. And I'll preface this with, I couldn't do mine if you asked me without looking. What are your five core family values? So do what's right. Leadership through action. We have, damn, it's in my phone too. Respect is on there and faith-driven. And then okay, so that's four. I got to look at the last one. That's mine on the spot. Okay, so here we go. So the only reason I'm able to do this is because I have them written on the wall, but I've never asked this. And let's start with this. I went to a workshop on core values. I still couldn't tell you what mine are as a family. I went to a, like a business one and they had uh, like a hundred leaders stand up. Who has core values in here? Every single one of them stood up, right? For your business, who has core values? Everybody stood up. Then it says, okay, keep standing if you could name them all. So half the room sits down. Then they ask something else. And then they ask the question, if your employees know what they are. And almost everyone stood down. There's like 10 people standing left. And it said, now, do your clients know what they are? And everybody sat down. So it was like this aha moment that we say we have these core values and we're living them out. But how are we not just doing the two-day event, writing our core values down, putting them on a poster, and then walking away from them, you know? And this is a challenge for you and I and for the guys listening. And so something we do, I'll share this. We have a monthly meeting as a family, and I put the core values in a slideshow. And we have six core values. They are a courageous faith, fun-loving family, authentic friends, adventurous travelers, thriving fitness, and living grateful and generous. And I read those everybody off the wall, but I'm going to memorize them. But here's something cool we do is, you know, my kids are 10 to 17. We do a monthly family meeting and we have our vision statement. And then we go to our core values and I have, I'll find pictures from the month. This last month, my wife is really into fitness. So the picture for thriving fitness was my wife and I at the gym. But then we asked the family, Hey, name a couple people that you've seen in our family living this out. So like Brody would be like, oh, well, I saw Presley do this. That's Thriving Fitness. Stella would be like, oh, I saw Brooklyn go to this thing. That's Courageous Face. So the kids are saying it about each other. Now, if I pulled my kids in here right now and said, hey, tell me all six family values, they probably get a couple of them, but they wouldn't be able to do all of them, which is a challenge for me to go, okay, how do you instill these into your kids? For me, I mean... When my kids make mistakes, 
I make them read them. I mean, maybe Dude, that's not I the dig best it. Talk. No, I think that's awesome. Because I can't, I mean, you're seven and four. I mean, I grew up, my dad was a drill instructor. I had to make my bed and clean my room before I left my room every day. Uh, it's just a whole different childhood that way. But I do it when they make a mistake. That way it's kind of ingrained in it. And I can give them the yeah, why. I like that. Like, why did you do that? That's powerful, dude, because you're giving that. So I think dads pick up on that. You could then use your core values. Like, dude, so powerful what you did with your son. You're like, hey, what's important to you? He's like, Nintendo, whatever, whatever. You're like, no, what's bigger? He's like, well, family, mom. My son would be like, mom's important to me. Okay, then why are you talking to her like that? Let him start to unfold that, but do it based off of like the Flores or the shout guiding principles of what makes us who we are. And I think that in the moments where your kid fails to not just smack them, I mean, sure, smack them sometimes if you need to, but to not just there be no why attached to it, I think is really, really critical, man. I think that's huge that you use them when you're disciplining them. Oh, for sure. You can even flip it to make it a positive. Hey, dude, I need help clean the garage. Okay, now that's, that's like a punishment, right? It's like, hey, let's clean the garage. So maybe we can find some old toys that you want. Maybe we can clean this up to make room for new toys. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, give them mm-hmm. a lot, especially when they're that young. Now, when you got older kids, I don't have older kids yet, but like you, 18, whatever. It's like, come on, bro, we're cleaning the garage. Like they know, they understand. But you got little moldable brains. You got to give them the why. Well, I'll tell you, bro, my 14-year-olds still want to give me crap when I want them to do the dishes. And I'm like, bro, really? Like, we fed you. (laughs) My wife and oldest daughter just did like a calculation of the amount of time my wife has spent making us all food. And it was something outrageous, dude, like seven years or so, like some crazy ass number where you're like, hey, check it. Mom has spent seven years of her life making all of us food. So when you ask, I don't like this. Can I have something else? You're no wonder she's like, no, dude, no, you can't. Oh my gosh. So bro, a question I ask every guest and you've already said so much around this, but we'll see if anything fresh pops up. But it's called fatherhood field notes and you're already doing it. Open up your life, man. I mean, opening up every aspect of it to share with us, but the mantra behind it is rebel and create. And this could be applied to, you know, I rebel against being on my phone uh, dinner time so that I can create great time with my family too. I'm rebelling against what it means to be a man in this world, et cetera, et cetera. So when you hear rebel and create, what's something that you are currently rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? That's a great question. And I'll tie in superhuman fathers to that one because now, you know, I go into an environment, I'm picking apart like, oh man, I can help that guy. You know, and I'm not better than anybody. I mean, I just, I love helping people and pulling the best version of themselves out of them. So it's like, man, that guy's doing his family a disservice, man. That guy's huge over there. That guy can fix that. I can help him. Or this guy's yelling at his kids for something that's probably his fault. I can help him. I want to rebel against all the mediocrity in today's society with fathers, creating a culture of winning and celebrating others' wins and getting rid of the selfish entitlement shit that we have going on. I want to create leaders in our community. I want to make our kids assets to the community and giving back and really driving home that service leadership stuff. I want fathers to understand And I say this with an extreme amount of passion because of the pain I was in. I want fathers to understand the amount of impact and the influence they have on their kids. You don't just have kids and go on these little family vacations and life's great and yada, yada, yada. Like you have a massive, massive responsibility. Don't take that lightly. I want to rebel against the attitude toward that. And that might not be everybody, but I know there's a lot of people out there that think that because I was one of them. And then I want to create, I want to create an undeniable father. 
through accountability, through discipline. I want that father to have a tribe, a community. It doesn't need to be superhuman fathers. It could be whatever you want, but you need to get around winners. You need to get around people that are better than you. If you go into a room and you're the best person, you need to get the hell out of that room and go find someone that's going to push you. You need mentors. You need coaches. That's what I want to rebel against. And I want to create that just superhuman father that's just a massive, massive, loving, respectful human to his wife and kids. Dude. Well said, bro. So beautiful. And I always say, you know, it matters that I don't just serve well in my home, but that I'm out inspiring other dudes to do the same. Because like my kids, I want them to have great families. I want my grandkids, my great grandkids to have other men and women to marry. But that's only going to happen if Chris is a great father, if you listening are a great father. And what does it mean? Like you are serving your home by dying to your selfishness and just digging into the man that you were designed to be, dude, a freaking creator, a gardener, a security a protector, man. It's just such an opportunity. I think, dude, as Chris, you talk about it. Once you unlock that for a man and he looks in the mirror and he's like, I'm not just an insurance salesman. My purpose isn't this. My purpose is to like pursue a woman's heart and watch her beauty unfold before my eyes as I love her for 50 years. As I pour into my daughter and she's this amazing, strong, confident woman, my son knows who he is as a man at 40. Dude, that, that is purpose worth fighting for. Like, it doesn't matter what I do for work now anymore. Dude, we have a kingdom and it ain't our job. It is our home. What an opportunity. Massive. Dude, it's massive. Bro, so my last question is a legacy question. Imagine 40 years from now, okay? 40 years from now, you're coming towards the end, right? And you are looking into the homes of your children and they're some level where you are today. What is it that you see in their home and you just big old smile on your face like, man, the work I did, that day in, day out work, it paid off. What is it you see in their homes? Yeah, I want to see my kids, my kids' kids, just being absolute, just followers of Christ, you know, understanding the importance of how they're living and acting inside their homes as well as outside of them. I want them to look back and say, how did you guys get all this? How did you become like this? You know, how did you become disciplined, accountable? You're so loving, you're so patient, you're so giving. And I want them to say it all started with me, not saying that I'm the end all to this, but Chris is the one that just stopped this generational bullshit and just started aligning with just action and results. If I can give my family that and financial freedom would be cool. But if you build real skills in your kids, they're going to use those and they're going to pass those down. And you talk about skills, disciplines, a skill, accountability, stuff like that, holding your word, treating your wife with respect. Oh, that's the that's skills so good. you should be passing down to your kids. It's not materialistic shit. It's not 401ks. It's skills. Give your kids skills. Yeah. Dude, Chris, man, thank you. Thank you for being in tune and listening to really your creator guide you, bro, for going, okay, I know who I was made to be and I'm going to pursue that man. And you said it before, I'm not perfect and none of us are perfect. That's not really the goal, but the goal is to pursue who it is that Chris is supposed to be, who it is that Chris and his wife are supposed to be as one. And uh, dude, your life is an inspiration to men. And, and I just thank you for the work that you've done, the work that you continue to do in your home to make the world what it was originally designed to be, bro. So I'm super grateful I'm connected to you. Thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for taking some time to connect with me today. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I have one last thing for all you followers out there that are in pain and have overcome the adversity. I applaud you. And just, just don't hold that on. Share that. You're most qualified to teach the person you used to be. 
So remember that and go help others and serve. Dude, I love it. All right, if people want to find you, Superhuman Fathers, where do they go? Yeah, you can go to uh, Flores underscore SHF on Instagram or just Superhuman Fathers. All right. Love it, bro. Until next time. All right. Thank you. What an incredible conversation with Chris. One of the things that I'm taking away is just the idea of leading with our core values in our home. You know, we really use those during our family meeting, but to use those not only when my kids may make a mistake or fail, but to bring that out into the open, hey, this is what it means to be a shout. But then also when we're doing something positive as a family, like, hey, we're going to go to the gym or we're going to go on a walk because we're about thriving fitness. So come on, let's go. And they've agreed that that's who they are. But sometimes, you know, in the moment, I think about asking my kid, hey, do you want to go play pickleball? Uh, Not really, but hang on a second. And that's okay to say no, but why are you saying no? Are you just kind of lethargic and stuck watching TV or something? So living by those core values on a day-to-day basis is something I'm really taking away from the conversation with Chris. I just want to say I'm super thankful for Superhuman Fathers. It has transformed my life. And I actually have like about a 10-minute video of me talking about what it did for me, not only physically, but also emotionally, spiritually. So you can go to rebelandcreate.com forward slash transformation to learn more about that. And guys, what does this come down to? This conversation with Chris, it's about knowing who we are. Like as men, who are we? As fathers, who are we? And the world would look and feel so much different if men showed up in their true identity to love, serve, guide, provide, and protect. And that's why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. So make sure to check out adventureoffatherhood.com. There's new stuff that's going to be rolling out the next few months. But it started with a kid's book. And this kid's book, the father-son version's out now. The daddy-daughter one's going to be out in the next six months. And it's about helping a dad see who he is, create a moment, opportunity for a dad to connect with his child. Uh, and then we're going to have some educational courses on there to really help dads discover who they are. Great opportunity. If you know a new dad, order him one of these books, send him the gift box and welcome him into his role as a dad. So thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.